The CGA Tour, a podcast unlike any other. Now your host, Calvin Alexander. Welcome back to another episode of the CGA Tour podcast. I'm your host, Calvin Glenn Alexander, and on this episode of the podcast, I am joined by frequent guest and fellow OSU alum, Jake Carlson. Jake, I did see the Braves won today. Uh, of course, our yep. most recent podcast recorded less than less than 24 hours ago. Just talked about how the Braves won game one. They came back today and won game two, so I, I bet you're feeling all right about that. I was surprised if you guys had the chance to listen to our podcast that was released, what, a couple hours ago probably? Um, I said the Reds would win purely based on pitching, and we shut them out both games. Um even though I wouldn't have been upset if the Reds won, it it still feels nice that the Braves can win and hopefully get that monkey off their back from last year. Um, it definitely builds the confidence after giving up 10 runs in their last playoff game. For sure. I can't say it, it, it shouldn't. I, I'll i be rooting for the Braves here, um, I guess, moving forward, because I don't think they could play the Padres at least. But everyone knows, at least if you listen to the last podcast, my frustrations with the Padres in Game 1. But, as I'm frequently reminded myself, every day is a new day. So let's get them in Game 2 here and uh, try to smack talk Alexi as much as possible as the Cardinals. Yeah. Out. So, yeah. with that being said, this is an Oklahoma State football recap podcast. So the first, um, I always say the first two games, you missed our Game 1 recap with the Gabe Campus. Definitely encourage you to go check it out. But this is a Game 2 recap. Jake and I will be back here almost every single week that we can to recap the Oklahoma State game from the previous weekend. Uh, of course, we'll skip any bye weeks and um, hopefully try to bring on some guests here as well too for it. So Jake, let me ask you, we played West Virginia over the weekend. The game was 20-13 to 13 in the fourth quarter with three minutes left to go. Chuba scores kind of the exclamation point touchdown to really seal the victory when I think we had it no matter what anyways because we were down there in the red zone with Three minutes left. So we, you know, if we missed a field goal, yeah, that would have been dire. And West Virginia come back and tied it, you know, or mm-hmm. gone for two, I guess. But really, more or less, I felt good about the game as it ended. What were your takeaways from the game? Um, you know, the big, the big stuff. Um, defense was. I mean, that was my big takeaway. Was just how good the defense looked. It, it looks like we're almost back to that Glenn Spencer type deal where it's like, we're just going to, you can score as you can put up as many runs or not runs. Jeez. You can put up as many yards as you want to, but we're going to turn you over. And so it's like, if you, you know, if you get the ball on the 25 or the 20 or whatever and go 60 yards, but then turn the ball over, what are those 60 yards worth at the end of the day? What are they worth? Nothing. They're worth absolutely nothing. So if a team does that, I don't know, six times, like say West Virginia did, that's 360 yards, which I think West Virginia had at, they, they had it like, I think that was their sweet spot. And, you know, 360 yards is really good. I don't think anybody's disputing that, but we have a defensive touchdown which always <laughs> always is like a trump card and this is the first time that i feel like our defense is kind of like okay we had five sacks one touchdown um 
that's you, you can't really ask for much else. If if you told me every single game or every other game, even at that fact, our defense is going to have five sacks. Wow. I'm impressed because when have we seen that? When was the last time we've seen that pass rush? Ogba? Where we're like, this team can really get after the quarterback. So this made me feel really good because West Virginia is not a bad football team at all. I The Tulsa game made me very tentative just because, hey, it's game one. It's a lot to take away. It's uh, kind of, you know, kind of just putting around. Like, I don't want to make any certain exclamation points on, oh, man, dude, I feel great about this or this or whatever. Because, one, the offense struggled a lot in that game one and should not have against Tulsa. But, yep. Starting quarterback, who's been working with us all offseason, this offseason's been weirder than ever before, goes down in the first quarter. Granted, he didn't look the best in the entire world in the first quarter, but did go down in the first quarter. So, all right, hey, let's roll the punches. Let's see how game two looks. And on that note, hey, still backup quarterback, still not throwing for over 150 yards. That's not really scaring anyone. But no. that's me being nitpicking here, okay? That's me just really trying to get at it. Because you know what? You're incredibly right. That defense held West Virginia in the Big 12 to under 14 points in a game, right? I mean, under two touchdowns in a game. So I I feel great about the defense, uh, you know, just like you said. Now, are there a couple times where I go, hey, West Virginia just keeps running a slant play, and it's just working for them every single time. But then, oh, okay, all right, we stopped him here. All right, we held him, we held him. Okay, okay, we're good. So there's a couple times like that where I'm like, ooh, Okay, I can quickly see this as like, you know, I never played uh, never played uh, high school football, especially on the defensive side, um, growing up. So, I'm like, alright, like, even I noticed this? Okay, like, eh, it's kind of weird. But, then the then the rush would get to the quarterback, and it seemed to me that would be three and out. we get the mm-hmm. ball back, we'd, um, you know, we'd do what we could to, uh, to win, and... The other thing I want to say, too, is that Chuba and Shane didn't look great, which we'll get into in a second. But even though there were a couple of fumbles in the game, granted, I believe we recovered all the fumbles that we had, we still won. So, yes, yes, we did not have any direct turnovers, but we did have a few key, ooh, we had that one. could have been bad. That could have been bad. We had the we had the, the pick. Okay, that's right, that's right. So we, had, so we had an interception, we had a true turnover, but we had... I'd say we had three possible total turnovers. I think it was twice with Chuba, but it ended up only being one of them as the you know as the interception actually happening. So, correct. I, I kind of try to take that deep breath and go. Listen, this game could have gotten out of hand. It could have been bad. Mm-hmm. If West Virginia capitalizes on all three of our turnovers, it's a much, it's probably a much different game. But our defense was still able to take down their offense, and if this is going to be kind of how we look here going into KU, I'm fine with it because. I mean, if our defense looks this good through two weeks, knock on wood, but I'm feeling good about week three. Yeah, and I think the only downside to the defense was the run defense. The run defense looked like it struggled a little bit. Um, Letty Brown ended up with 26 carries for 104 yards, which if you're good at quick maths, that's four yards a carry, which is a first down every time he gets the ball. So... It, for every three carries, if you're averaging four yards a carry, if you give him the ball three times, you get a first down, which for him is really good. 
for us, not so good. Because, you know, you could literally do that all the way down the field in yeah. a vacuum, hypothetically. Um, so I would like to see maybe that get worked out a little bit. But the five sacks, I mean, I'm just I'll just run off some quick stats. They actually had more yards than us. They had 353 yards, and we had 342. Most of their yards came from passing, which was only 285. And I say only because we play in the Big 12. 200. Anytime I feel like any team is kept under 300 yards passing is a good day. Um, and then we ended up with 203 rushing yards, and they ended up with 68 rushing yards. Um, and those are most likely attributed to those sacks. I forget which one it is because pro, I think one of them counts the rushing yards against for a sack, whereas the other one doesn't. Pro versus think, college. When I it think comes to pro yards. does count that because I think you'll frequently have, oh, Dak Prescott rushed for 20 yards in this game, but oh, he had one like 40 yard scramble. Oh, yeah, he got sacked like three times. I think, I think, so I think it's yeah. pro on that, especially like okay. fantasy football stats. But I'm with you on that as well, too. The fact that we didn't have more yards than them but still won the game is, inc- is is just awesome. I mean, there were a couple times where our punts, you know, pinned them really deep, you know, inside their 20 a couple times. Mm-hmm. They had to start out and they had to go the whole field. And I'll say it this way, too. I was able to go to the game, and it was definitely not as loud as normal. There, are, You know, it is a quarter percent capacity. It was definitely not the normal game day experience, all type of stuff, too. But... It didn't seem like that mattered that much for our team. It didn't seem like that impacted the game too much. Like that, oh, we just didn't have a lot of energy or anything like that. It seemed like we looked we, we looked good. We looked good the whole time, mm-hmm. you know. And West Virginia could go, heck, I guess they could go winless in the Big 12. I assume they'll beat KU, which is the team that we get to play this weekend here. But they could also be in the Big 12 championship and play us too. I. It's such mm-hmm. a hard, this is... Of any, like, hey, I'm just going to bet on a game, right? Like, this is the year I would bet on college football if I was anyone. Because the odds makers have got to be throwing their hands in the air going, dude, we have to be conservative every single week because we have no idea how this is going to work out. Because it just is, you know, everything's different, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so let me ask you about Chuba and L.D. Brown. If you had to grade their performances, and we didn't really do the grading thing with the Tulsa game. So let me ask you, how do you grade their performances through both games, through the first two? Um, can I just say that LD would be higher than Chuba? I, I, I don't think anyone's really arguing with you on that one, especially off of expectation standpoint. Yeah, and that might just be what it is. It might just be an expectation standpoint, but I, I told you this. I think a lot of it has to do is that when LD comes in, they're not expecting him to get the ball. And it might not necessarily be they're not expecting him to get the ball, but they're not expecting him to get the ball immediately. Whereas, like, if you sub out LD and put in Chuba, you're like, oh, they're going to run the ball. Like, that's it. But Chuba, honestly, I mean, he got a lot of help from that garbage time touchdown, but he ended up with 22 carries, 101 yards, and a touchdown. And that touchdown was 23 yards. And so that's 4.6 yards a carry, but LD had 11 carries for 103 yards and a touchdown in the 66 yarder. Um, so if we can rush like that every single game, 
I think we'll be okay. If we can rush for over 200 yards every single game, I think we'll be okay. And I think the passing will come. I think that that comes with Illingworth, um, them just really throwing the ball more or not throwing the ball more. I mean, he threw the ball 21 times. He had a 6.6 average. It's like we got Michael Thomas out there. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's not terrible. And he threw a pick, which whatever. I'm, I'm kind of expecting it. But the the running back grade, I mean, I have to give LD probably like a B plus, A minus, right? I mean, 9.6 yards of carry is – what more can you ask for? That's a first down every time you run the ball. And Chuba would probably have to be a C plus B minus just because I feel underwhelmed. Not necessarily because he's played bad. Cause I think a lot of teams would still be like, Oh yeah, we'll take that. But I think as OSU fans, he spoiled us a little bit last year. So we feel more underwhelmed compared to what we've seen this year. Yeah. So I, I have to give L.D. Brown an A++ off of style points alone. He hit the cabbage patch and the Thurman Thomas throwback <laughs> on his first uh, on, his, on his first and, I guess, only touchdown run of the game. So, style points alone, L.D. Brown gets the uh, A++. And also, that number is – he wasn't – I don't think he was number zero in years past. And the number zero with those jerseys, whoo, I mean – Oh, OSU, I, I know COVID happened. And I've seen all the tweets and all type of stuff. So that's why that these jerseys weren't for sale. But oh my, oh my gosh. Like those jerseys, you know, the Sun Bowl, the 1987 classic, all type of stuff that Thomas, Thurman Thomas wore. Those jerseys looked awesome. Uh, they looked mm-hmm. awesome in photos, looked awesome in person. They looked awesome in videos too. So well done there. Um, shout out to LD for, you know, throwing it back to Thurman Thomas. It seemed like he appreciated that as well during his uh, speech, I believe, at halftime or at the end of the third quarter. I kind of forget which. But I think it had to be during halftime. But actually, a great LD. I'd give him an A. I, I don't know too much of what my expectations were going into this season anyways. I probably expected him to have a couple big plays and maybe a couple big games, and, you know, that kind of be it. But so far through two weeks, heck, LD has outplayed Chuba, as far as expectations goes, easily. Chuba, I was mm-hmm. expecting to light the world on fire, and I think the differences are, as you and I have texted about before, and we're texting about during the game, is that when LD is put into the game, Chuba's got to be hyped if LD gets a first down. Because that means that by the time we play OU, TCU, Iowa State, Texas, and get far deeper down the schedule, it's going to be... Oh, well, defenses have to load up the box either way, or they have to guard OSU either way, no matter what, no matter who's in at running back, you know? And I'd also say, if if we're feeling confident that Chuba or LD can catch the ball out of the backfield or whatever, just, hey, let's throw in both of them. Because, and I think that there'll be more flexible play calling all type of stuff if Spencer Sanders was healthy and was playing. I mean, clearly that guy's had more practice time than Shane Ellenworth. That's not a, any debate. So, yeah. Chuba's grading, I say, off of expectations, that's kind of all I can go off of right now, because actually, out if he played, it would be probably like a D. Like, he did fumble the ball twice, fortunately we got it back, and he only ran for 100 yards, and I, you know, like, really, you know? I mean, he got those, you know, he got 20 of those yards basically in the final two minutes when we could have just kicked a field goal or passed it or, or whatever. It seemed like more of a... 
somebody was going to get those yards just had me chew, but not necessarily he like, you know, went out and like really rushed for it, I guess. Um, you know, of course that's what happened. So yeah, I'd probably give Chuba like a C in all actuality because hey, still got over 100 yards, two touchdowns, and teammate wise, he was the first dude. I think he told me this, but might have been mm-hmm. to CSPN. He was the first dude to go up and like congratulate LD after he hit, after he ran for the touchdown. Like he was, and and, and he's got to be excited for LD Brown to get some carries and look good. Not because mm-hmm. oh, it takes away from Chuba. But I'm a strong believer in that other people's successes don't take away from yours. And I think that's, if Chuba's looking at it anyway, all right. You know, other teams are going to have to game plan for L.D. Brown now, too. L.D. Brown's played with now, I believe, this is going to be his, I assume Chuba's going to get drafted, of course. So I believe this is his second or third running back that he's played with that's going to go to the NFL. You know, I, I want to say, you know, no matter what, Justice Hill, um, no matter what, Chuba Hubbard, and another, um, you know, OSU running back that I probably do some more research on, who's been on the roster too. So, I mean, the LD's a senior. Like, I kind of feel bad about it because I was like, oh man, dude, maybe LD will come back next year. But, um, but he, man, uh, both L- those guys play LD, really good. LD gives me very big, like Chris Carson mm-hmm. type. That's, I'm like, this dude could end up being good in the NFL because. People think of Chris Carson now, and they're like, oh, yeah, Chris Carson's good. And I'm like, well, he was okay at OSU. Like, we just remember, I just remember seeing him, like, this dude's a freak. Like, he's 6'2", jacked out of his mind, and he's our backup running back. And he wasn't the starter. Justice Hill was the starter. And I think Justice Hill was, like, a sophomore. But Chris Carson played a lot. And... That's kind of the vibe that I get from LD Brown is I'm like, this dude's good, but I don't necessarily know if the guys ahead of him have actually been better or they're just ahead of him, you know, and do now, do I think we're as good if LD Brown is our starting running back? No, but do I know that for sure? Absolutely not. Well, so I think that's a great that's a great debate as well too, just because. All right, who who would you rather have just going into games? And it's I do it's still it's Chuba. I mean, I'm not gonna it's lie, still, like it's, yeah. it's definitely Chuba, and I don't think that's really up for any type of debate with anyone either. It's just all right, like it's, Chuba didn't have that same game against Tulsa this year they did last year, but. Tulsa probably goes, hey, man, listen, we got a game plan against this guy, you know, and especially after mm-hmm. our quarterback goes down, like, we're definitely going to hand the ball off more. That's just what you do. You you play more conservative when you got a true freshman quarterback in there instead. And for how good Shane looked to, you know, beat Tulsa in the end of the fourth quarter in game one, he still is a true freshman quarterback, and West Virginia definitely had time to game plan against him, whereas Tulsa just yeah. kind of goes, all right, who's this guy? What can he, you know, what can he do? Whatever. We just got to play OSU like we game planned anyways. And, you know, Shane Ellenworth comes out and throws the ball incredibly well, and let's talk about him a little bit too. So what's what's your grade for Shane, at least for the first two games? Um, a C, C plus, okay. which is passing. Yeah. And... And if you told me, I mean, I've been an OSU fan for six years now. You've been an OSU fan for a lot longer. Um, If you told me that we could beat West Virginia with a 
Now, I would say he probably played closer to a B, B minus against Tulsa and a C against West Virginia. So that's kind of why I'm like lingering towards the middle. Um, Because it's like he didn't light the world on fire against Tulsa. He just threw it to our best player who either got mugged or caught the ball. I mean, that's what happened. He didn't play bad He, by any stretch of the imagination. We probably won the game because he ended up playing really well. But the point still stands. When was the last time that we're like, yeah, we could get a below average performance from our quarterback and win the game by 17 points? Doesn't happen. Only or two touchdowns. Yeah, two it does, touchdowns, doesn't happen, to be honest. No, because we've often been so heavily reliant upon our quarterback. And it's like, through these first two games, we might not have to do that this year. Yeah. I mean, that for our first three games, right? Yeah. You know? We play KU this weekend. We can talk about that a little bit in a second. But mm-hmm. I, I'd i say I'd give, given the circumstances, I'd give Shane like a B- minus or a B uh, through the second game. But through game one, I'd give him an A. Like, coming into a tough situation, you're the third stringer. You know, Gundy's come out and said we didn't even know if we'd you know, basically you know, get him in pads or not just because of contact yeah. tracing, COVID tests, and all type of stuff too. We weren't really sure necessarily if it was – you know, in the cards, and he played good enough to get us you know, down the field and score a touchdown and seal the win in game one. Game two, I do have to admit, I did expect, all right, cool, like, they'll just kind of be back there with, you know, with how it was in game one, and of course, for whatever reason, myriad of reasons possible, it, he didn't look the same and didn't throw for 150 yards, and I, I would say... Oh, dude, 150 yards, but we still got the win and still, you know, um, still you know, scored a lot of points, et cetera, et cetera. But I also have to go, yeah, just it's the Big 12. Like the Big 12, like you said, if you're holding a team under 300 yards passing, that's you know, usually a pretty rare thing to see, to be honest. Yeah. Right? So, I don't know. As for much as it is, like, yeah, I just... It- and you know, I said I said last week when when Gabe was on here, I said if if we can beat West Virginia with Shane as our quarterback, then start him against Kansas, use the bye week, and then bring Spencer back. And I said if if we beat West Virginia, which we did, we beat them probably closer than it should have been. Honestly, it was it really was. It was closer than it should have been. Um, and we still beat them handily. So I can only knock on wood, assume that that's what's going to happen against Kansas. And then we have our bye week and then Spencer comes back and we should just be come out firing on all cylinders. I think we played TCU. Is that right? Yeah, I believe so. Believe so Baylor yeah. play at Baylor. Baylor. Okay. Ugh. But yeah. So. We can all hope that we see Spencer back for that game. That's that's very true. I think that Baylor doesn't doesn't look bad at all so far. But Baylor did have a very common opponent that we did over the you know over the previous week in Baylor's first game. They played against KU, 
And to KU this year so far has gone 0-2. They've lost to Coastal Carolina, and they've lost to Baylor. So now we get to go play Grants at KU. I, with this season being everything as it is, I don't think away games matter too much necessarily. I mean, Grant, if it's an early kickoff and we got to go all the way up to Ames, it's a little bit different, but eh, yeah. still not throwing a ton into it, to be honest. So what do you think about going into week two? Do you think that, hey, this is a lock, like, put us down as a W no matter what, 110%, or is there maybe some 95%, hey, we're going to win, but hey, it's, listen, it's COVID stuff, whatever, and KU's still a Big 12 team with less miles, or what are you thinking? Um, I'm a pretty skeptical, you know this, I'm a pretty skeptical fan for pretty much every team that I root for. Um. So, like, I'm not going to say 100%. Like, we thought it was 100% when we had Mason and James, and we had to get, like, a like a clutch interception at the end of the game to close them out on a game-winning drive. So, it, I, I mean, I'd say 80-85% that I'm like, yeah, we'll win. But at the end of the day, we still have to go out there with most likely our freshman quarterback and our running back that hasn't looked – like years past and with a really good defense and, but it's hard because we don't always trust the defense. We don't like every game. I feel like we're still like, eh, you know, we could be Alabama and we're still low. So will be like, eh, how good is our defense? Really? Like how good is it? Cause we still have to go play OU. We still have to go play Baylor. We still have to go play TCU. Well, but it also it's end. the Big 12. No team ever yeah. has a good defense in the Big 12, too, for that point. No, yeah. There's no team in the Big 12 that relies upon their defense to win games. We saw OU almost, I, I wouldn't I don't want to say rely upon their defense last year, but besides their game against K-State, OU's defense was pretty darn good the whole season last year until mm-hmm. they played LSU. Now, LSU set records, so I'm not going to get on to OU for having a bad defense then because LSU's offense, I mean, we, five years from now, there could be a 30 for 30 made about Joe Burrow and Justin Jefferson and, you know, Jamari and Chase and all those guys with LSU, right? So, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, we, we could be doing a, a docu-series, you know, for 30 for 30, I'm about talking about that title team, you know, because all those guys could just be having amazing careers in the NFL and it'd be, oh my gosh, we didn't realize how good they were, you know, at the time. Like they won that championship, Burrow won the Heisman, but we could be talking about them in a different stratosphere as far as how good that team was LSU last year. But yeah. I'm not going to make excuses at the same point. Still not going to make excuses for OU, um, OU and their defense because. I'm going to make excuses for the Big 12 in defenses because no team ever bes- – the last game I can remember where OSU won a game and it was close and the defense really mattered is that 13-9 victory over Texas at Texas. And that really is just kind of a bunch of just botched stuff either way from punts and, you know, and moving back and forth on the field and guys not playing that great and being injured, whatever, too. So with all that being said – I feel really, really good about the KU game. I feel probably a little bit better than you just because you are a little more skeptical than me when it comes to this type of stuff. But I still think that I'm one of the more skeptical OSU fans just because I'm always kind of going, all right, well, let's just wait a second here because (laughs) 
they're still a Big 12 team, and normally year in, year out, it'd be like, all right, dude, like, if we don't beat KU, like, then we're not good. And that's true. Like, it, honestly, if we, if, if OU had lost to KU last year instead of K-State, should have made the cultural playoffs. Like, that is a, that's almost a non-conference game, right? I mean, Look at K, Texas. KU lost to Coastal Carolina. You know what I mean? Like, what, what the heck is going on there? And you're right. You bring up a great point about Texas, almost losing to Houston, or was almost losing to Houston Baptist. Was that it? No, that was Texas no, Tech. No, I'm, I'm saying I'm saying when Texas lost to Kansas that one year. Oh yeah, they had. There's we still aren't letting that go. You're right. <laughs> You're right. We're still talking about that right here, right now. Hey, yeah, yeah. And Texas want to pop out their chest. Texas is back. Well, four years ago, <laughs> I guess lost to KU. Yeah, and Texas is back beating a Georgia team where all 11 of their defensive starters end up going to the NFL, but whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I, the Kansas game is like, I approach it like any other Kansas game. We come out with a win, I'm pretty dissatisfied. We come out with a loss, I'm pissed. <laughs> I See, I'm pissed if we don't win by more than a, two touchdowns, to be honest, because at this point, it's like, for any of the fellow fans I have that are fans of the Big Ten, this is like playing Rutgers. I mean, this is just a team you should win, a team you should beat every year. KU has years where they don't win a game. And this year, I don't see that they're anything special. And granted, well, I can say Les Miles is there over and over and over and over and over, but that's not proven to be that, that's not proven to change who they are. It's not proven to make a big difference so far. If I see. Like, we need to be 40-plus, and they need to be 20-less. And I'm usually good. Yeah. That's usually how I approach the Kansas game. That's a good way to say it, too. I I think on one end, we could be incredible. And I think on the other hand, we could play a fine game and get out with the W. I don't see us losing. That's why I'm giving it a... If I want to give it a stamp of something, it's 95% that we win this game. And that 5% is purely off the fact that I remember years in the past of Gundy coach teams were losing non conference teams that we should have beat, you know, whoever it may be. So, mm-hmm. and that 5% is not a lot at all. So, be that as it may, I'm really cheering hard for this OSU team. I think we'll win. And I'm not, I'm not too worried about it to say. So, yeah, no. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, what grade do you want to give the defense through uh, two weeks here? It's got to be an A. I mean, it just plain and simple, it's got to be an A. And I, I honestly, they are the reason that we won both games. And if anyone says otherwise, I mean, wh- how many points have we given up? 12 so there's a 12 point average or no a 10 point average right through the first two games well well hang on a second though because we definitely gave up 13 this past weekend so and we gave up seven the first week oh okay so it's average yeah so combined yeah yeah yeah, i see what you mean um so we we have a 10 point average i'd consider that an a yeah. If you're giving up 10 points as a Big 12 team every week, you will most likely go undefeated. 
It's hard not to, for sure. So I I can't give them anything short of an A, honestly. I can't. And the defensive touchdown, too, that kind of, when our offense was stalling, that really kind of propelled us into into a win. Yeah, defensive scores is always going to earn a big, big thumbs up from me because it doesn't happen all the time. And previously, that's kind of what I've noticed. Like the first year of the Gymnals defense, I was going, man, our, our defense looks pretty darn good. Kind of pumping them up, pumping my chest a little bit before we played OU because it was like, man, our defense is pretty darn good. But we relied so much off just turnovers. Just, you know, and, and those... Those become less and less and less likely the better and better team you play against. And when you play against OU, you can't count on turnovers to win games. You just can't. You got to count on your offense to play good and your defense to play good. And your defense to get stops, not necessarily get turnovers. So I'm going to exactly. give our defense a um, an A as well. It's hard not to at this point just because, you know, like you said, through two weeks, we're averaging somewhere around 10 points per game uh, that we're giving up. And besides... Um, Ah, dude, I really wish we had held Tulsa to just three points. And, ah, oh, man, I really wish we could have stopped a bunch of those slant passes from West Virginia. Those are minor nitpicking little gripes that I have, and it's just more or less because I need to find something to... All right, what else can we work on, you know? Mm-hmm. That's kind of how my mind works from time to time, too. So, all right, do you want to um, want to give a score prediction going into week three here against KU? We're favored by three touchdowns, I think, as of at least right now, or at least when the betting line opened. We're favored by three touchdowns. The over-under set around 50 points. Do we want to give a score prediction before we end out on this episode? Probably 38-14. Ooh. Ooh, I like that. I like that. Um, 38. I like that amount of points because we haven't scored. Uh, Grant, we did score 27 this past weekend, and it is KU versus West Virginia's defense. Um, let's see. Baylor scored almost 50. They scored like 47 or so. And our offense is supposedly a lot better. But Graham, we don't have a starting quarterback. I'm going to say... I like 38 a lot because I think that's probably where I'd have us at. I'm going to say 35 just because, eh, that seems like more of a typical football score. Um, you know, we score five touchdowns, right? So I'm going to say 35 to... I'm going to say 35 to like 12, you know? I won't say 14. I'll say 35 to 12. <laughs> I'll say uh, KU misses both their extra points on their, um, <laughs> or they make one touchdown and kick what, two? F- no, that'd be thirteen. So, you know what? You know what? I'll lock it in. Thirty-five, thirteen, because K because that gives uh, that gives me a better chance at actually having that score correct. Because twelve is saying that there's got to be either a touchdown, field goal, and a safety, or some type of really weird, um, like miss both their extra points, but. Heck, we've seen weird things happen before, too. Only thing I will say is that I think our defense is a lot better than Baylor's defense, and KU scored, I believe, like 20 points. Um, And I am just slightly worried as I look more into this previous game they played against Baylor because Baylor did have a couple of runbacks, so they didn't necessarily score just purely offensively. Then now, you know, not all 47 points just came from the offense. You know, it looks like two of the touchdowns were like kick returns, which should mean that, heck, we should have one. Um, with our guys back there, but then again, the amount of times that Gundy calls for a fair catch with Dylan Stoner is incredible. <laughs> which, which is conservative play calling. We don't have your starting quarterback in, so I get, it. so I get it. But Jake, thank you so much as always for joining me here on the latest episode of the CGA Tour Podcast. Please like, 
rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening to it. And we'll catch everyone again very soon. Thanks, guys.